Welcome back to the Consequences podcast with Paul McNulty and Sean McCreevy. We're going to do a track by track now. Uh, listen to the album in its entirety, um, step by step. So the opening track um, is called Seascape, and this is the opening section of the instrumental overture that actually lasts for the first two vinyl sides out of six. Um, it is entirely gizmo music, um, and it does actually conjure up a seascape. I think even without the title, if I was asked what this depicted, I might have found my way to the sea. What do you think, Sean? Definitely. And what I love about this track is is how just how visual it is. I know that sounds sort of a bit ridiculous, but it really is to me. I and mean, we can talk about the way the, the gizmo sounds are layered. I think that they're, way, they're layered in a very three-dimensional way, I think. So you get a sense of, of distance and perspective, um, as if you're looking across this uh, a grey sea that's about to kind of erupt into a into a tsunami. That's what's yeah, in my imagination. That's right. There's a there's a the, the, the ominous is a word that springs to mind. Definitely, uh, it's it's maybe initially quite tranquil, and then uh, the clouds are gathering. You might think. I do wonder whether. Um, all the individual compositions. Now, this was this a piece of because it's not improvised. I don't think it it, it sounds composed. Particularly that wonderful, slightly more conventional guitar solo at the end of of this opening section. <laughs> yeah, and there's some. I don't know what the chord movement is there, but something is happening to make it to pull the emotions. There's yeah. some traditional chord movement there, which. I must. I guess it must be lol because Kevin didn't write on a chordal instrument. He contributed melodies, but one would imagine this is all. It's obviously lol playing everything, and mm. it's maybe lol's composition. It's, uh, this record is packed with um, very small sections of music that really do have, I think, a heft and power and that aren't repeated again. And this mm. is one example of just a great little chord sequence and melodic motif that really, that really pays off at the end of that section. That's right. It starts with individual notes multi-tracked on the gizmo, doesn't it? Right. With that wonderful, and we were talking about this earlier on about how Lowell would have achieved the, the opening sounds. And to me, it's the gizmo obviously um, bows the string with its rubber wheels uh, to create a sustained note, much like a, a violin or a cello or something. But I think in addition to that, they're using either faders in the studio or maybe he's got a volume pedal which has the notes kind of glide in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
and there's this device we've seen uh, in other, uh, notably in I'm Not In Love, where there's always just uh, an ambient level below which uh, the background sound doesn't reduce. This happens here, we're just talking about this, you listen out for it, where the sound instantly reduces to virtually nothing, but not quite nothing, something's yeah. left. And did they do that by just manually pulling down the faders and having some kind of uh, blocker, like a, a piece of tape or something, so it couldn't go below a certain level? Very possibly, or they, they created a, a, a bed, maybe a looped, multi-tracked sort of white noise of perhaps you know all 12 notes played on the gizmo at once right multi-track just like i'm not in love yeah so you've got that that lovely sense of of there being a dist a, a, a sound coming from the distance yeah so even though the waves in front of you have, have calmed down momentarily you've got the sense that in the distance there's this this buzz yeah it, it's it's a wonderful effect yeah so uh, we um, alongside their evocative use of silence, we can add the use of near silence as well. Yeah, and I think it makes the music three-dimensional. It does. And if you're still listening, <laughs> we presume you're as into this as we are. And, yeah. uh, and if you're not, well, yeah, good luck. And um, we um, we have a, an argument between us about where seascape ends and and the the wind comes in. Uh, for me, the wind comes in as as we hear Kevin Lowell. Um, singing in that wonderful bit where you know they sing i am the wind and i blow you away mm -hmm. and and for me see the sea is is carrying on uh and then the, the wind is joining the sea um so for me when kev comes in with that fantastic solid drumming a couple of minutes into the album mm -hmm. that that to me is still part of seascape, but you see it differently. Don't I do. You? It's great arguing about this, isn't it? Arguing yeah. about absolutely nothing. Okay, this is the way I see it. That's like a hard, a hard cut. Seascape ends, and then we're suddenly tracking across a landscape. Um, uh, we're above a landscape. Um, this thing flying above a landscape, which is the wind, uh, silent at first, or at least non-destructive at first, and until it sort of homes in on this first isolated house that it mm. that it destroys. So for me, wind starts at the point. Kev comes in with a fantastic, you know, yeah. uh, you know, just straight ahead four four drum beat played with, you know, a lot of power and discipline and economy. Very simple, yeah.
Very simple, but makes it count. I mean, I, I know uh, he was always one for supposedly getting absolute accuracy on a drum track. Um, and, you know, everything is it's, it's, it's just tightly played here. Um, just a few, you know, uh, hits on the cymbal in the right place. Mm. No, you know, nothing, nothing, nothing too, nothing mm. there that doesn't need to be there. It, talking about where the tracks start and end, I don't think it can be definitively answered, can it? Because um, uh, certainly on the CD I've got, it's very poor in that there are literally three tracks. Um, this one track. No, there's one track per old side, which is useless. So that this mm. whole side one of the album is one track. But even on the vinyl, although the tracks are labelled, so on side one we've got what? Seascape, Wind, the Stampede. Flood, Stampede. And that's the Barrier Sea. And the Flood. Oh, that's side two, isn't yeah, that's, yeah. it? I beg your pardon. So but, there's four tracks on side one. there are no one. track separators on the vinyl. There are no tracks. So we don't know exactly where these where these tracks begin and end uh, and nor can anyone know i think so mm. we're we're arguing about nothing which is the whole <laughs> ethos of podcasting really but i think something that, that adds strength to your argument paul right is that just before kev's that fantastic uh, first crash of the drums comes in you've got the, the gizmo creating this kind of very airy fluffy um sort of almost like a Almost like a sandstorm okay. uh, of swirling effects right, there, right. very airy sounding, uh, that kind of brings the drums in. So I think you, you, you might have a point there. And I just, I love the, the versatility in, in the sounds that the gizmo creating. The start of Seascape, you've got those soft, sustained notes that kind of glide in. And then they're punctuated by higher uh, notes that sound a little bit more like guitar sounds, which mm -hmm. they are. Yeah. Um, kind of guitar string kind of uh, hybrid. Um, and then as you go into uh, as you go into the wind, um, you've got those fabulous low bass notes. Yeah. That that, that alternate um, between each speaker. Hand hard left and hard right. And note by note, is that right? Which are mimicking cellos? Yeah, definitely. Or okay. basses, even. Yeah. To me, some of those low bass notes are below the, the, the natural range of the guitar. So either Lol detuned his guitar uh, with very floppy strings, I'd have thought, or, uh, or they just simply slowed the, 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 the tape down. To go an octave down at yeah. half speed or something yeah. like that. It recorded it at high speed and then played it back at normal speed, something like that. Right. Um, but that does create just this marvellous orchestral depth, doesn't it? Yeah. You've got the basses at the, at the bottom and then you've got the... You, You've got your gizmo violins up the top. Fabulous range of sounds.
amazing that that's just one instrument. You could never get that from, well, from a synthesizer at the time. No, it just wouldn't have had that um, connection to the player almost because it's a physical sound, yeah. isn't it? And, it, and the, the whole album is, is about something organic. It's about the earth, isn't really? it, and yes. its elements. So I'm so glad they chose a, a, an organic recording process. It kind of... The, the gizmo is the earth. Yeah, feeds back into the story, doesn't it? Absolutely. For me, the album really, really kicks in when we hear uh, the wind speaking for the first time. You know, I am the wind and I'll blow you away. Uh, and that starts a sort of 10-minute sequence, if you like, in the middle of, of side one. Right. That is way above, in my, in my mind, anything else that Kellen, uh, Kevin Lowell put together, anything that 10CC put together, and that would include things like Somewhere in Hollywood, I'm not in love, etc. Huge favourite of mine. That whole section from from the the second part of Wind, through Stampede, and the, the first part of Burial Scene, is wonderful genius. Um, head and shoulders above most of the stuff I've ever heard. In my, you know, out of my whole record collection, and you know we're big. F- Fans of some some wonderful prog stuff, aren't we? You know, Lamb Lies Down on Broadway, mm-hmm. Dark Side of the Moon. It is genuinely up there, in my opinion. Uh, and we'll come on to talking about Stampede, which I think is the is the 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 jewel in the crown of consequences. Uh, so rich, so dramatic, so dynamic. It's a, it's a tour de force. Recording engineering genius. Layer upon layer upon layer of of outstanding technical mastery of the gizmo, of the drums, the piano, the studio. It's just incredible. Wanted to, uh, just to, to put a, th- a thought uh, to you, Paul, about the wind and when the, when the vocals come in. Uh, lyrically, it's interesting. But I wanted to talk to you as well about who and uh, who is singing that bit. But the lyrics are great. Uh, bye bye everyone. Bye bye everywhere. Yeah. There's something really destructive about that that line. I think the word's nihilistic, isn't it? In the the wind saying bye bye everywhere. Yeah. It's going to literally destroy everything. It's spooky, isn't it? Yeah. Bye bye everyone. convinced that it's just Lowell singing the wind whereas with um, the fire bit you hear Kev's very distinctive voice in that you know that kind of deep rich plummy almost operatic sort of voice he's got but my ears are hearing just Lowell's voice as the wind because I think Lowell's voice is, is, is 
brighter it's a bit kind of a brighter timbre to it isn't yeah, it really yeah that, that's probably an artistic choice yeah. uh, um it's it's airy isn't it it to, is to, to coin a phrase yeah so they, it was probably a conscious decision to to make it sound more windy okay yeah and uh, yeah so i i think from that point it it just takes on a, a magical quality this album and I love that the, the the wind kind of sweeping in. It's it's approaching that isolated house, isn't it? In the the American sort of Midwest or Florida or wherever. Well, it's the fact supposed that, to be. the fact that you can picture what's happening, you really can, is a testament. There's no narrative, but you can you can picture, as you say, the the, the wind uh, or one one isolated um, you know element of of this um, primal force zeroing in on a house with a sole occupant um, and isn't it two blokes two blokes yeah oh well he, he talks to his unseen partner somebody's right. at the door okay yeah you're right could, i didn't could hear anything one. yeah yeah which yeah. of course is a little which is then a foreshadowing of the same phrase being used in a completely different musical context a bit later yeah, on yeah yeah and yeah take and, and a that, look anyway yeah that's one of my favorite bits as well and i love we both love the 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 weatherman don't don't we on the, on the radio and i love the fact that when you first hear the weatherman's voice it's kind of intermingled with the wind and they've used the same studio uh trick as they use as we, we were talking about on um uh, stampede where they use a noise gate uh to make their vocals crackle in time with the with the pops and crackles of the fire they do a similar trick with the voice of the weatherman yeah where it, it, the voice is kind of sort of all feathery and, and intermittent and, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that they fed um, the, 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 the kind of swirling uh, vocal and gizmo sounds of the wind, fed that with the weatherman's voice through the noise gate so it kind of it's like you're coming from the sky, you're in the wind and you're kind of zooming down to earth like rather like the snowman cartoon, Yeah, that's what I'm picturing yeah. and 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 gradually the weatherman's voice gets clearer and you're suddenly in their, their sitting room. Yeah, you're, you? you're in the workaday world, the, the, the mundane world of, of a guy watching the weather forecast on the television, but only briefly. Yeah. And then when he opens that door, you get the full force of uh, oh. Honolulu Lulu uh, uh, coming in the front door. stupendous moment, isn't it? I'll never forget the, the first time I heard that. I've I mentioned, you know, sitting in the dark wearing headphones. Right. I think I was probably a, a, a bit embarrassed about listening to the album out loud because it was just so odd <laughs> and hearing that it, it, it knocked my socks off scary as hell and you're really in there aren't you i think they must have recorded that section with the the, the guy kind of trying to shut the door against the wind the wind's trying to force itself in the house and then he's flung across the house isn't he to the opposite side they must have recorded that with with that Sennheiser head we were right. talking about before, yeah. to, to immerse you in that sort of that stereo image of, of reality. So a lot of doors on consequences. Have you noticed? Yeah. Peppermint's office, um, other ones, and then even back to the, the the door at the beginning of the the section of One Night in Paris. It's a great way of uh, of moving space from or mm. moving the listener's head from one point to another or, or creating a, a literal space a, a dramatic space in which the action Great can plan. move from one place yeah. to another yeah 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 they they um just intuitively understood how 
how to make how to make that work i think yeah and it goes back to what we were saying about consequences being a really visual drama you know like a movie on yeah completely yeah saying ah oh, yeah there's a, a bit right at the yeah just at the end of the wind section there's a, a lyric that ends with don't be so sure yeah we just can't work out the lyrics so if anybody knows please tell us yeah we won't be able to sleep until we until we know yeah we, we, we've tried dozens of times to try and decipher what uh, what lol's singing there we we can't so yeah uh your contributions gratefully received please And then there's a, a calmness, isn't there, before uh, we have a firework display with a lovely combination of, of real fireworks recorded at a display, uh, all that sort of thing. Well, S- some of it real fireworks, some, yeah, that's but, right. but other little flashes uh, yeah, those, from the gizmo. Those rockets going uh, up within half a second of each other, one from the left speaker, one from the right speaker, all that yeah, stuff. Great. And then, of course, they, they, they launch that that rocket. You can picture it in the sky, can't you? You yeah. know, when you're at a firework display and you hear that whoosh, that really guttural ba- bassy sound, and you know, right, this is the big one. Yes. And it's, it goes way, way up, hangs in the air seemingly for ages, and then shoots back down. And and again, you've got like you were saying about shutting doors. You've got the sound of the firework hitting the ground, and then that's that is the transition then to more drama where the firework presumably has landed in in i don't know the savannah or something yes and launches this stampede the stray uh, firework uh, starts a fire that's the way i always read it it starts a fire and and the animals go berserk yeah and uh, we we talked about it before didn't we in our gizmo episode where they're really being so so inventive with the use of the gizmo and sound where they're creating from scratch the sounds of elephants and rhino and uh, horses and 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 you name it elephants amazing kind of 
tumultuous explosion of sound the gizmo is, is creating that really strong melody you know you've got the the, the dynamic range of, of the, the, the high-pitched melody you've got the sort of more sinister grinding sort of bass bass sounds really really fantastic kev's pounding away with different percussion instruments as well yeah the, so ho- the, gall- really... the galloping hooves Recently, I, I, I found a new favourite bit of, of, that, of that piece, and it's about halfway through Stampede, where there's a flock of birds that oh, are yeah. obviously disturbed. Uh, we'll listen to it in a second. Don't think I've picked them up before. Yeah, but we'll have a listen to it in a second, and, and let's have a little mini-debate on how... It won't be a real flock of birds. You could, you could <laughs> bet your bottom dollar about that. It is utter, utter... If, if they did do it themselves... This is utter genius. How about that? Never noticed that. Absolutely brilliant. So we've had we've had the birds, now we have the bees. Yeah. How did they do the birds though? Do you think they got I don't know, loads of newspaper or something and flapped it? Yeah, it doesn't sound like a gizmo, does it? That, that, that. <laughs> but nothing wrong with, uh, you know, loads of newspaper if you can make a sound like that. Yeah, and uh, the bees are marvellous as well, the aren't bee, they? I love the way the guy uh, idly swats the bee yeah. and then gets his comeuppance when the, the, the swarm comes back and, <laughs> and, and does him in. It's shot like a, a music video or something, isn't it? That that whole piece, isn't it? It just it goes from scene to scene. You can completely it, see it. Yeah, I mean, these days they'd have a drone going through uh, the, through the savannah, wouldn't they? Yes. Following the herds of stampeding beasts yeah. as they escape the fire, and then it, uh, there's the sudden cut to yeah, a, a guy literally sitting there in his straw hat. It's like uh, is it the Zemeckis film, um, The Polar Express? Yeah which uh, I used to watch when we were kids, and they, they loved it. And you've got this incredible scene, which has, I think it's from the, the, the ticket, um, uh, get, gets thrown out of the train or yeah, blown yeah, yeah. off the train, and then it's picked up by the, in the beak of an eagle. That's and, and, right. And this, this inanimate object goes through this incredible journey. Yeah. And, and you can picture the, the viewpoint uh, of, the, of the listener, we have to say, not mm. the viewer, is it, just, just being taken, being swept from place to place mm. in an incredible way, and that's what's happening here. Yeah, yeah, great reference, that, Paul. You're absolutely right. Someone needs to animate oh, yeah. side one, don't yeah, they? Yeah. At the very, very least. Definitely. Please, somebody. <laughs> Please. It would be incredible. Yeah, so, um, and I love the way as well it cuts to a, a disco, doesn't it? Where yeah. Andy Peebles, the DJ, is uh, 
you know, inviting people to, to strut their funky stuff. And notice that they're dancing to a track called Burn Baby Burn. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Disco Inferno. Yeah. How you doing, young Disco King here to do the And then there's that cheeky little reference back to what the, the, the poor chaps in the, the house who were blown to bits. Uh, the, it's almost like the, the, the fire is taking the mickey out of those people who died. Uh, right. I, don't, I don't hear anything, well, take a look anyway. Yes. It, it's almost mocking the, 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 the blokes who were killed somehow. It's like the elements are ganging up and, and taking angry revenge maybe that's the Stuart and Gorman influence because that's a real pop hook yeah you know um that little section which comes back but it's stretched uh, and twisted beyond the normal pop structure isn't it it's still mm. a hook but mm. it's a hook in a, in a very strange piece of music yeah so yes stampede for me is, is just the, the tour de force right it's your it's, it's your I'm not in love <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it it is more than any of the other individual proper songs on consequences. Okay, it, it just it stands head and shoulders for me. And then, of course, you've got the transition into burial scene, you know, their, their first actual recording for the album. And I, I love burial scene. I love the, the beauty of it. I love the, the different textures that you get from the gizmo. You've, you've got the, the usual sort of uh, haunting string sounds, uh, creating sort of bed uh, polyphonic bed of sounds and then you've got a lovely high-pitched sort of warbly sound a bit theremony mm-hmm. do you know what i mean in burial scene the yeah. main instrument is quite theremony uh in his autobiography kev confirms that that is individual gizmo notes um wobbled in some way i can't yeah. remember the technique it's yeah. not it's, it sounds like a operatic human voice but it's not it's a gizmo yeah
recording that, you know, as their their sort of, you know, this mythical three minute demo that they were putting together. Indeed. Yeah, oh. they must have been really, really proud. And then, of course, we get to that bit that we talked about before, where our poor dead friend is being buried, and we gradually hear the outside world disappear. The earth is going on top of the coffin, and then we get that final, <laughs> that last bit of earth landing on the on the wooden lid. For as much as it has pleased Almighty God of his great mercy to take unto himself the soul of our brothers here departed, we therefore commit their bodies to the ground, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, in sure and certain hope of the resurrection to its... And I love, as that happens, I love the way that the gizmo pad is sort of lifting, as if the guys, um, you know... Ascending to heaven. Ascending, exactly, ascending yeah. to heaven. It's a, it's a lovely some, moment. There's some beautiful little piano movements just towards the end of that section. Yeah. Um, um, which also have some uh, other instrumentation subtly um, adorning them. And um, I don't know the chords there, but it's got a lovely expectant... Uh, departing feel to it mm. um, just before we finally cut to the uh, the Honolulu Lulu theme on, on piano. Yeah. What do you think of that? Did you think it sticks out like a sore thumb, that Honolulu Lulu bit at the end? Is it a nice link to side two, or does yeah. it...? I think it works. You sound like you would, you would rather not end what, what you think of, you know, a pretty masterpiece side on that note. I'm, I'm, I love it, but possibly because I've, I'm so used to it. But it is, it's almost a bit pub piano, and it doesn't quite fit the mood of, of spookiness of the rest of the burial scene piece. Fair point. Yeah. It must have been a deliberate deliberate choice and and yeah obviously it's it's a foreshadowing of the of the, of the importance of that theme sure which which we'll go on to talk about when, yeah. we, when we go on to side two just a footnote here cheeky one i think paul right do you think and looking at the fact that burial scene was the first uh piece that they recorded do you think it's either a blatant or subconscious reference to the death of 10 cc uh, subconscious at best, I think. I think that might be stretch, <laughs> stretching it a yeah. bit too far. What uh, uh, jumping forward to side two? What I think is a bit of an exorcism of the Ten CC machine is the big um, concert finale to the Flood. Mm. That I think is Godly and Cream <laughs> sort of, sort of. You know, just getting it out of their system, <laughs> if you like. Thank you. Good night. Yeah. What about the whole divorce drama that that unfolds on records two and three? Oh, that's interesting. Well, um, was that was that Peter Cook's idea to actually make it a divorce drama? Yeah, or, we, we'll never it? know where the chicken uh, an egg kind of uh, started off conceptually, do we? No. It just. 
with all the sort of divorce proceedings that were happening in 76, that you were talking about in the last episode, right. it, it just, it feels to me that, that the end of 10cc is like a, almost like a bad smell that's hanging around the, the studio for consequences. I'm glad it did because it created fantastic drama. Mm. But it really is in the air, I think. Yeah, it, th- th- there's quite a dark energy, as you might put it, yeah. uh, um, pervading the, the entire uh, album, and that doesn't just come from the dialogue, does it? No. It comes from the music. Yeah, Pretty definitely. powerful stuff. The things we do for love The things we do for love The things we do been listening to the consequences podcast produced by paul mcnulty and sean mccreevy thanks for listening